Thanks for listening. You know, you have probably, if you've listened to at least a few of our episodes, picked up on the fact that we take shots at 5th edition a lot. And so we decided to dedicate an entire episode to discussing what we like and what we don't like about 5th edition. Thanks for listening to Fluff and Crunch, where we talk about the connection and sometimes disconnect between system, setting, and story in tabletop RPGs. Oh, so we've been talking here for no, no, God, I hate. What do we do at the beginning? We should have like a jingle, or something like that. I mean, you do, you do have a jingle when you make it. Well, you're right. Well, <laughs> we start. That's the problem. Anyway, just, you have to so here we are, it. as always, every single week, trying to figure out how to do a uh, uh, a short, useful, pithy intro without it sounding stilted. And I feel like I fail miserably. But anyway, what's your gaming been like in the last week? Let me guess. League of Legends. No. Uh, Marvel. I have yeah. I think I played. Did I play a game of yeah? I played a game of Marvel on on Monday night. What was different about it? Oh, we had Juggernaut. That's what was different about it. It was the Brotherhood against who was on the other side. Oh, convicts are basically a bunch of wizards, as they would say in the MSU. Bunch bunch of wizards, and yeah, the Juggernaut did Juggernaut things. Well, yeah. So that was good. That's what he does. Yeah, he smashed into stuff and uh, and headbutted people. That's cool. It was cool. Until his helmet came off, and then he got just zapped to pieces. And then he's a chump, yeah. He really was, yeah. Went down like a punk. Well, you know, last Thursday here in the States was was Thanksgiving, and a lot of people take that opportunity to go places and things like that. And so three-quarters of my group were away last weekend, so I didn't, I didn't do anything. But not wanting to rob my wife and daughter of their girls' night, which usually consists of watching television shows or movies in which I have no interest— um, I voluntarily went into the garage anyway on Saturday evening, and I uh, I looked through and I read a bunch of my new Twilight 2000 boxed set. You mean that Twilight 2000 box set? It very much looks the same, <laughs> yes. Have you looked so through it yet? You're, no, I still in the shrink wrap. You know me. I order have, the, pre-order these things, and then they turn up, and I go, oh, cool, they go in the shelf. Do you uh did you get the 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 cardboard box set or the metal tin? I uh, the cardboard. Okay, yeah, me too. And I didn't do the Kickstarter. I came very close to backing it and I said I'm not going to do it. And then like 2 weeks ago I got an email from my my local game store saying, "Hey, your Twilight 2000 came in." I had completely forgotten that I'd even ordered the thing. Half of me thinks that they made up the idea that I ordered it just to get me to buy it. But whatever. So I went down there and bought it. Um we can leave that for another episode, perhaps, if you look through it. But yeah, I, look at that. I, I do tend to buy an awful lot of free league stuff. Mm. There's a funny story about that. So for ages, like, I, I can't which one I started with, but I started with one of them. I'd, I'd kickstart it. And then I'd get these emails from, from Free Elegan. Now, for some reason, I never, real, I never made the connection that that was the name of the company in Swedish. I thought it was a person's name. So I genuinely <laughs> thought there was a person at this company called Freya who kept emailing me. And it was ages before I realized, oh no, that's just free league in Swedish. It's not, it's not because, you know, free sounded like a name. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah really, I, well, I glance at it. For some reason, I get the English language emails, but I also get the Swedish emails, which always makes me feel like I'm reading through lists of IKEA product names. <laughs> um, you know, actually, you know what? Here's, here's a little bit of gaming tip. If you run fantasy and you are looking for like cool uh, monster names, or evil god names, or maybe location names, just go look at Ikea's website and just start pulling names off. I've done that, actually, because, it, you know, I, that's just the way it is, like grog, what, whatever. What, yeah, that's what Google Google's translates for, right? What language do I want this to sound like? And you put it in, and it's like, oh, that's, that's the same, right? Different language. That's my Ikea bookcase. Um, <laughs> actually, yeah, but our... Um, I believe it is our, it's either our, our kit, our, our bathroom sinks or our bathroom cabinets are God Morgan. Oh, that's There's an good, umlaut yeah. in there somewhere. I just have loads of Kallax. Just the house is full of that. Kallax. And Kallax sounds like some kind of like evil space emperor who has a big throne and a stupid helmet and like a, a scepter. That's like, that just came to mind. See, look at that. Anyway, we can talk about Twilight 2000 later. In fact, I'd like to. But today, we decided that we, after taking so many pot shots at 5e over the last six months, that we, we owe you all an answer uh, or an explanation and some time to, to ruminate on 
5e as a system and the the default settings and the other things and just talk about like where we stand on it and what we think about it and why i mean there are so many different 5e podcasts my golly you go to any podcast search and you you come up with tons of gaming podcasts related to dnd that is 5e but we don't talk about it so we figured we'd set aside an episode to talk about it and that is what we're going to do today things we like things we don't like and why um so you wanted me to start off with what I don't like. Yes. Okay. First off, my focus is on, when I, when I think 5e, I'm starting at Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. And I'm including all of the uh, Wizards of the Coast publications and offerings and things like that. I'm, I'm not directly addressing third-party stuff that's for D&D. That's the next like circle out. And the next circle beyond that is other third-party products that use the 5th edition system but are not Dungeons & Dragons. So I'm not addressing those. I'm addressing the inner circle and the circle maybe immediately around it. I, I right. will be. All right. Well, so here's, here's what I don't Briefly. like. I am not a fan of, in general, I am not a fan of level-based games anymore. And the reason for that is, I, is it, I've got a couple of reasons. I, I think that level-based games uh, have a, a greater potential to bring out the worst in players in terms of incentivizing them to move their focus off of the story and coherence of their character's development and onto mechanics. Looking at the, the, the process of building a character over, for initial use and then developing that character over time as a, as a mechanical game exercise rather than a story-building exercise. I don't think it's impossible to take your fighter from first level to 10th level and have a coherent story that you, you codify through the mechanics and through the things that you add each level. I don't think that's impossible. I just think the way that it is presented and the norms of D&D gaming culture put a very firm, not a thumb, like a foot on the scale pushing toward power gaming and focusing, like I said, on mechanics over story. Um, and so levels, I, I just, I'm not a fan of that. I, I will play them, but I, but they're not my top choice. Yeah, I, I, I don't mind too much about the power gaming aspect, because actually, I mean, you know me, I quite like, I, there's times where I want to do the sure. power gamey thing. But I think for me, one of the things is it kind of brings you out of the game a bit, like, you know, your character, how much XP did I get for that? You know, like if it's gold, gold is a gold is both an outside the game and an inside the game thing. How much gold did I get? How much do I get from this deal? How much do I get off the goblin? Do I get a weapon? But when it's also, you know, how much XP do I get? How close am I to leveling up? And I was, I was thinking out, it's very similar to like some computer because a lot of role playing games have really good like computer role playing, have really good stories and you're really getting into the story. But then ding, your character levels up. So you then stop to like updo your skills and put a new thing in. And that's kind of what the thing is here is rather than, you know, your character gains experience at a, you know, and you can put it in where you, the leveling thing kind of makes it feel more gamey, which ironically, considering how much we're going about 2D20, which is, can be really gamey, it's a bit ironic, but yeah, I, I think levels were great when I was much younger and there's times when I want to play a leveled system, but it, it just doesn't, yeah, it just it it works for a very narrow kind of fantasy, yep. which is no fantasy. You you don't see it in it. You don't see it in films. That's one exception. You don't really see it in films or TV or on you know books at all. You like literature. You, you don't really see this this nice clear progression where the whole party all start at level one and they level up. Now the best example I always use is Luke Skywalker because Luke Skywalker did start at level one, but then Han Solo didn't. Han Solo was level ten, and you would and, never you know, have Leia a party was, like that. Yeah, and Leia was like level five. And after, by the third film, now Luke Skywalker was like level 15 or something, but Han was still level 10 and Leia was maybe level seven or what. So it doesn't, you know, and that's how, that's how most, you know, the, the, like you said, it, it doesn't, the leveling system doesn't match the, the, the story. It doesn't no. really work. You can make it work, but you're, you're like, you know, it's your shoehorning it in. It's not. Well, it would, it so. would, you would have, like, if you tried to run, uh, Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship. If you tried to run that, you would have really low-level hobbits. Sorry, halflings for trademark purposes, uh, and you would have uh, Aragorn, 
Gimli and Legolas as like at double digit levels. And the only way those hobbit halflings, whatevers, would survive is if they hid in the background, which you could say, well, to an extent that, yeah, but but they they, they played a more direct role. Anyway, I mean, yeah, it, it, the, the problem is, I, I mean, I agree with you completely. It, it doesn't it doesn't really work. It kind of breaks down. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't mind level stuff. It has its limitations. It has, I believe, distinct limitations. Uh, so my next thing that I don't like about D&D, about 5e, sorry, not D&D, 5e, is the lots of magic, as in pervasive, readily and easily available magic, and I mean items and spells, it takes the wonder out of it. Yeah. Uh, and what I mean by that is like spells are treated in, in 5e, and they've been treated like this for a long time. Um, spells are treated like these very distinctly defined concrete things that, I, like I liken them to a dish in a chain restaurant. Like you go to Applebee's and you order like a steak and some kind of fried heart busting thing, and you go to another city and you get basically the same, and, you, and that's their point. And there's a degree of reliability and there's safety and it enables you as the player and the GM to plan for sorts of things. And you, I kind of want this encounter to work out this way. Hey, I know my, I know some of my players that, you know what, the wizard has fireball now and he wants to fireball everything. So I'm going to create an environment that is more challenging for him. You can do that. But, the, but the problem in having that convenience, you suck all the wonder out of magic, which is really someone meddling with something that breaks the laws of nature. And then you dump easily available magic items on top of it. And it's like, um, instead of you having sting or glamdring the faux hammer, mass produced Chinese shit at a suburban yeah. sock shopping mall. You have magic sword plus. You have, well, you know, it's funny years ago, this is, oh man, many years ago, I was playing with this group of guys and, uh, and I had never, it was three point, it was, I think it was third edition. I don't even know if it was 3.5, but they were they were so steeped in the game side of it that they would say in game, their, their character would be like, I have a plus one sword. And I brought up to them, I said, would that make any sense in the world? Like, would and then they all they all looked at each other like, oh yeah, that doesn't make any sense at all. And and it wasn't like they were dumb or anything. It's just like they they were so steeped in magic as this thing with a upc code on it that's so perfectly quantified <laughs> and so perfectly reliable and perfectly and easily available that they hadn't even considered the wonder of it and so that that just like i said when, when it when it seems like mass-produced crap you buy at a dollar store um it, it's just there's nothing amazing or wonderful about it I will say in defense of 5e there, I think actually 5e does a better job than previous. So for example, third edition, because third edition and then Pathfinder were basically built around the idea you had to have certain magic items. At a certain right. level, you had to have a plus one, plus two, plus three sword. Yeah, the expectation you would be was walking around with a yeah, you would have the plus one, plus two armor, you would have the ring of protection and so on. And if you didn't have that, you were basically under leveled. It didn't matter what level you were, you, the rules are built around that kind of the thing of like you know that's how this amount of magic you're going to have that because if you don't you're going to you're going to suffer whereas five year did a good job mm. of kind of having the i can't remember what it's called but it's like the how many magic items are tuned you're only allowed so many magic items attuned to you so i, I think 5e is better than previous i mean like so if i compare it to pathfinder there's lots of things i can say i much prefer pathfinder this is one where like well if you don't like that in 5e you'll hate it in pathfinder because you're literally like you know, the magic items again are still very much custom produced, and even if you can modify them, you can put different runes on them and stuff. Um, it's it is properly like you've got a shopping catalog for magic right. weapons. So, yeah, and the, the, what you just said though, the you know, I think I think you're right. Five E does a better job than previous editions, and I mean, I also like the fact that, or the way that by using spell slots, you can you can power up a spell. A spell is not just fixed at a given level by the yeah. rule book. Yeah you as the character can can beef it up by by using you know more power which makes sense to me it's like some wizened old wizard who's been at this for a, some elf who's been at this for centuries darn well ought to be able to heave magic missiles at someone better than some first level chump who just learned it that just makes sense story-wise to me um yeah yeah i'm with you there <laughs> um okay here's my final gripe 
Um, there is, and this is not objectively about the game itself, but it's a function of its prominence uh, in the hobby and the fact that it's been like it's the elephant in the room and has been since the beginning of the hobby. And I and that is player familiarity with canon, with monsters, and with settings. And you have so many people who are longtime players who have really who have deeply held expectations for everything like uh, they know what a goblin is statistically they know how they, they have the monster manual they've read the monster manual it is extraordinarily difficult for them even if they try to suspend their knowledge as a player they know what a goblin can or can't do and some people will get really torqued when you make a goblin not do what the book says the goblin can do um that's and and again that 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 sucks the wonder out of it it also sucks the danger out of a story. I, I think a story can be a little bit dangerous. The wonderful thing about these games is that they're all made up. So if your character gets his arm hacked off or gets killed or something like that, or loses all of his dearly held possessions, like you're not losing them, but that's a, that's a, like a, a, a thing you can kind of vicariously distantly go through and experience through the character. Um, I, I refuse to play in Forgotten Realms because you end up having like that one dude at the table who's like, oh, excuse me, I'm in the silver march. He's like, shut up. And none of it's real anyway. You know, the, like the, it's like playing Star Wars with a super Star Wars fan or Star Trek with someone who's going to like argue over the warp drive of a given ship. You're like, dude, none of it's real. Let's just, let's just have fun here. Um, and, and so I, I, that's a, that's a problem, I think is that so many people have so much knowledge, meta-knowledge, and that then, again, like number one, it pushes people toward treating it as a game more than a, than a story. Yeah, I think that's another one. I think, actually, when it came out and they were, everything was sort of fight, you know, it was forgotten realms focused, but, I mean, they seem to have moved away from that a little, a yeah. I know, actually, they did a, can they did a Candlekeep book, but more and more now, they seem to be releasing more books that are related to magic, mm -hmm. and I think that's quite cool because... Like, you know, that's a card game. So it have, you have pictures and you might have some stories, but there's not a wealth of background information. So those books are actually fleshing out those worlds. Um, so that's, that's kind of cool. So I hope, you know, that you would have that problem. I mean, really, I always feel like D&D should. This is, I think, the best edition for actually I'm going to do my own world. Yeah. I'm going to use bits and pieces of this and do my own thing. Whereas like third edition, it was, you know, second and third were like, here's everything for this world play in it so then you really did have the problem you're saying so it, yeah again maybe fifth isn't that makes me think pathfinder is bad as well because they although they, they're not going super down the road uh, this here, is this is actually why when eberron came out years ago i oh, jumped I on it i was really interested yeah. in it because of what it was itself like objectively what it was but i also like the fact that it was different no one like my players at that time in fact it was a hard sell because they thought oh it's steampunk steampunk stupid Okay, it's really not actually. Really not, and it was yeah. it was great to to be able to learn as a GM through the world and have them experience the world and learn about it as players through their characters. So yeah, I I I agree. I think that it's they've done a better job in that. But anyway, that's my gripe. All right, what about yours? What don't you like about it? My, a, a good chunk of mine the last one isn't i got well i got like an extra one which then links me to my good stuff so i'll start my good stuff at when i after i've done that but most of mine are the kind of system things and i think so my first one would be that the actual the basic system is actually a bit dull and most of this is kind of when i was a kid you know playing dnd was all i knew and so it felt fine but over the last couple of years you know sort of even since 5e came out it's the, all the other things i play i play 2d20 where I am now rolling, I'm rolling multiple dice and, and those multiple dice mean things. Uh, the, the Genesis or Star Wars system where you have actually a dual axis of things where you can succeed and fail on the same roll. Um, Savage Worlds, which has issues, but still I'm rolling loads of dice. It's quite cool. Dice can explode. The, you know, the, so the actual mechanics of the system for these things, I mean, even Fate, which I hate is still has, you know, like cool bits about, you know, game design has moved on a lot. And I kind of think 5e hasn't. It's still, you roll a d20. If you hit, you now roll a damage dice. And that's, it, it just feels, it just feels old. It feels 30, you know, they're kind of going, all right, well, we're going to throw an advantage. And it's like, yeah, but you just, it feels like tagged on. I mean, it's still, you know, it's, it's better than Pathfinder's billion um, pluses and minuses. But 
Um, and the same thing as well as that is I, I don't like, I don't like a flat dice roll. It's a straight, you know, the, the fact that it's a D20 is, so there's you know, it's a linear thing. I want to, I want to, I want a bell curve. Essentially. So 2D20 gives me that fate gives me that, you know, savage worlds, I guess, cause it's rolling multiple dice must be, you know, it's, it's not a flat curve. I mean, there's ways of fixing that. Like I had Mika play and I gave her, instead of rolling her plus five or plus four, she was rolling a D8 or a D10 or whatever. But then that got complicated because when you got up to sort of like a plus seven, then it gets messy. Yeah. Um, and Annie couldn't cope with that at all, but at least that gave me more of a curve. Um, and a similar thing to that is that I feel there's like a lack of player agency. And again, this is because I've got used to systems where in Savage Worlds, I can spend a Benny. In Fate, I can do something to get extra things. In Genesis, I can, you know, flip things or Star Wars. Almost every system I play, a, a player can do, you know, 2D20 is a perfect example. I have both momentum from previous good stuff I've done, or I can give the GM, I can give the GM doom or threat or whatever, or heat to get extra dice rolls. I can't do that in DD. I can go, this is the thing I'm doing. Do I get advantage? Yes or no. I'm going to roll a dice. Um, and I just find that's particularly at low levels. It's this is just like a lot of failing. Now, for some systems that good, like you know, we'll talk about Twilight, whatever it is, and all the um all of the other free league stuff. But again, they have a say. If you do something in one of them and you fail, there's always a second chance. There's a I'm now going to risk something else to try and succeed. You don't have to take that risk. There's none of that in DD. It's a I roll my D20, and basically at the start of the roll, it's well, you know, you've got a plus, you've got plus five, but it's difficulty 16. Okay, you're basically got a fit, you're on a 50-50 roll. And you roll, you know, might as well flip a coin. Yeah. Or, you know, because or you could roll the two percentage dice. So actually, I'd have the same issue with, say, Call of Cthulhu. Because it's just it's just not very interesting. You roll that, either you hit, yay, or you miss. Oh, well, that's it, and that's it, done. Yeah. There's no, you know, there's no. Oh, well, you were close to succeeding, so this other thing happens, or oh, you succeeded, but you know, most system now, you know, uh, apocalypse world. So many systems now have you know an axis of you can either succeed and or you succeed but or you fail but or all the, the dual axis one of you can succeed but fail. It, it, D&D doesn't have right. any of that. You can you can fudge it in and hack it in, but rules as written, and I'm a bit weird. I like, even though I will play these different systems, I like playing rules as written. Um, 5e doesn't have any of that. Yeah, I agree. So it just feels a bit... Eh. Well, and, and the other thing too is that it's, um, it really, the, the, the root of the mechanic is you succeed or fail. Yeah. And, and there is no measurement for you succeeded really well or you barely made it. And... It, there are so many different ways that we've seen over the last 20 plus years where systems have baked that into the the, the role like world of darkness it's success failure yeah. and degree of success is one role uh you know lots of different systems have found different ways to do this but yeah, you're right dnd just avoids uh, has avoided that completely what's your what's your next uh what's your next gripe i mean it kind of, it spins off that would basically be that then I feel because of that, that combat is also then can take too long and is a bit, it's just a bit lacking. You know, we've just run two combat episodes in 2D20 and it was worth my characters doing different things, A, because I had different things to do, but also, you know, it, it, it felt part of the game. And, you know, there were things where I could, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and create a truth because I know if I create a truth, this other guy will do something. The best you can do in D&D is I'm going to go and walk around the back of the guy that we're fighting because then my other mate will have flanking and he'll, he'll get advantage on it. That's literally it. If you're a thief, you can stealth attack. But if you're not, oh, sorry, rogue, if you're not a rogue, you can't. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter. You, you might have the best skill checks in the world. And you might be the super ninja type, like, you know, assassin fighter, but you're a fighter. So you do not have backstab. You, you can't do it. Um, you know, if you're a, if you're a battle or whatever it is, I can't be like the battle master type fighter who has all the cool maneuvers, you can do all this cool stuff. But if you're not that, you do not have all these cool combat things you can do. You can hit. And so you end up with D&D combat of, right, um, I hit him with my best weapon. I hit, I roll damage, or I miss. I do nothing. Next players go. And I remember sitting in games in the last year where I was a player in D&D thinking, ah, oh, I'm just bored. I haven't got anything cool to do. I said, when I play Pathfinder with mate Brian, because they'd done this cool action system, it wasn't like that, right? Well, actually, in this position, I'm better off. I'm going to move in and I'm going to block, and but I'm going to do a hit. Or actually, now because I'm already in combat, I'm going to do it differently. And Brian's character was again the similar, right? I'm going to do a really heavy attack, 
But if I'm not in combat, it gets awkward. So depending on like the positioning of the thing, you know, it's close to, I mean, actually Fauri in that respect, Fauri had issues, but Fauri's combat, and it could be boring, but at least it seems more interesting. 5e combat, yeah, it had issues, but there was ideas in there. I don't think it was well executed, but I think what they were going for could have been good. I don't think it was, but it could have been. But 5e to me very much feels that I hit, I miss, I hit, I miss, I cast this spell. And it just feels, you know, there's a lack, certain classes get loads, get cool options and other classes are literally restricted to, I hit with my biggest damage in thing. That's yeah. it. Every round, every round. Yeah, I agree. I agree. How about your next? Um, so again, spinning off of that is the, the kind of the lack of good character options, um, particularly now. Really? Seeing, well, so in the sense that people go, oh, what? There's loads of characters. Okay, you've got you've got your tw- how long's five E been out now? Five years? Let's say five years. I don't know. Yeesh. More than that, I think. But anyway, in, in the however many years it's been out, yeah, maybe it's longer than that. Um, we still only have basically the classes in the player books, and I think one, one, two more, maybe I, not many more. And they've put on some extra one of those, you know, the subclasses, the archetypes. But that's kind of it. I kind of still feel that if you wanted to have, like, I don't feel like you can do a party of fighters or a party of rogues or a party of anything like that because the base classes are actually, you know, they made a big thing of saying, oh, when you level up, something different should happen. But the classes do feel like so. There aren't that many feats and only a couple are worth taking. So I kind of feel like, I mean, I don't play a lot. So at least I play it. I can make some characters that seem different. Go, oh, these are cool and different. But if you played nothing but 5e, and kept, you know, every you'd play a year-long campaign, you play another year-long campaign. I just think you'd just start tripping over, like, oh, well, I've already done that. I've already played a monk, and most of these monks are pretty much the same. I can't, I can't do a monk that was different from that monk. And like, it, like I show you know, you know, Pathfinder just with the first book. I mean, I don't want crazy splats. I don't want third edition style. You know, there's five different fighter books or anything like well, that. You need, a, you need a spreadsheet to keep track yeah. of interactions between but, feeds. You know, Pathfinder just in the original book in the advanced player guide had so many different op because there was things you could take as you level up to go, well, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna take this sub, this like totally separate class. Like, you know, I have this beast master. And both, like I said, both me and Brian started with fighters, and now our fighters are completely different. But we're actually playing the same subclass. They just see <laughs> so they seem completely different. But again, in most other role-playing systems, you're not even tied into classes at all, and you can just make whatever characters you want. I mean, you do end up with problems there that every character ends up could end up being totally the same if the system's not well designed. But yeah, I kind of feel like that you know, it's it's good the first couple of times you play it, and it lets people very easily make a character. Well, actually, it's not true. You, there's even sometimes you can't make the character you want. Like when I've tried to look at, I want to make such and such League of Legends character in uh, in Five E. You, you can't. You have to like go straight to like level fifteen to be able to get all the right. options you want. You, you you can't make interest in low level characters in certain classes. Certain classes, you're like, yeah, great, I can have a cool level one character or level three. I like the game should start at level three. But sorry, I kind of ran. <laughs> That's all right. No, you know, I I, I agree that uh, there, there's a balance between uh, niche control and you know niche maintenance, whatever you want to call it, and and which which is I think there's a there's a literary connection there because it's rooted in the idea of archetypes or archetypes, however you want to pronounce that. Um, and I and I see in that an attempt, whether that is an explicit attempt or just something that has happened by those who designed D and D almost 50 years ago. I mean, the root of it uh, with the idea of classes, um, they they represent these different archetypes in literature. You know, you've got the big, strong hero and the quick, you know, the quick hero and whatever. I mean, you have all these different kinds. And so on the one hand, protecting a niche for someone who wants to play that is important. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it, it can, it can go too far. Um, yeah. I have always found, uh, yeah, higher level stuff in in any of the editions of D and D to me just the, we've talked about this before. It's, they, it yeah. collapses under its own weight, and I don't I don't like that. But I also find it challenging, and this is to an extent in any system. But like if you say, "Hey, we're going to run like a short arc of tenth level characters," oh my gosh, like you you need the software to build the darn thing, yeah, because there's so much to it. Um, anyway, anyway, blah blah blah. Do you have any other? complaints i had yeah i have one last complaint but then i'm going to lead this into a good thing so you kind of already touched on it that um 
I'm going to have to link these two together because this is a good thing and it's a bad thing. So I'll start with a good bit and I'll go into the bad and then I'll come back. So the one really, really good thing about 5e is actually there is an absolute ton of resources out there. Like if I go onto the internet, I can find loads of peep stuff people are making up for themselves. Um, you go into drive through RPG and DM skill. I've got stuff on there. You know, there is, there's tons. If you want something, someone else has probably created it in 5e. Okay? And even, you know, other genres and other settings and all kinds of people just knock that stuff up in 5e. Um, the actual books, you know, the, well, I'll come back to that. Now. Um, you know, there's, there's loads of other companies supporting 5e. So there is loads and loads of stuff out there. Now, the reason I said that I, this is really a criticism as well is that loads of this stuff shouldn't be in 5e. You know, like when I, I, I think I may have kickstarted, but I can't remember. But the Hellboy set, Hell, the people who got the Hellboy license says, right, we're going to do a Hellboy role playing game. I was like, oh, that's awesome. We're going to use 5e. No. No, it's a superhero game. Don't do fight. I mean, like Mutants and Mastermind used 5e, but they realized as soon as second edition that it didn't work. You know, the level system was a good way of having a power level. And so actually you start off with a level 10 character and that's a power level of points that you use to build your character. You do not have a level one superhero that levels up. You know, Superman didn't start at level. Yeah, here he's a kid, but essentially Superman is level 20 and maybe goes higher than that you know, Batman's like level five or something, because that's, you know, but that, that's, they, Mutants Mastermind, I like, could find a way of making it work, but they basically turned it into a point by system where level 10 means you get this many points you spend on different stuff. Not you start at level one and you work up. And I've just seen lots of things where someone's basically gone. And it's because you, what you said, because it's popular, because it's big, someone's gone, uh, well, I want to release this system. I know I'll release it in 5e. Now, on the one hand, that person gets that game made. And if it's a setting that maybe wouldn't be popular enough anyway, then that's pretty cool that that setting gets turned into a role-playing game and people get a bunch of resources uh, and they get to use it. That's really cool. But 5e just doesn't, you know, you've already said the leveling thing, it, you know, it doesn't even work narratively for fantasy. But it kind of does. If you play D&D style fantasy, you could just about work. But I just don't believe that 5e should be turned into all. Because like I said, essentially, I don't think it's that good a system. It has some good things. And I'll come to the good thing later on. But I just don't think it's that good a system. So to be turned into all of these settings and everyone go, we're going to do it in 5e. Why? Pick a good system. I mean, obviously, I'm yeah. like, you know, doing 2d20. <laughs> um, but just, uh, uh, yeah, uh, I agree. I agree. What then do you like about it? So the thing that is good about it, it is super, it, like, you know, I said, on the one hand, maybe it's too simple for my taste, but it is simple. So when you want to teach someone who's never role played, it's just, here you go, right, you're going to have this. If you do something, you roll this dice, you add a number on your sheet. If you're fighting someone, you're going to roll the same dice. But if you hit them, you're going to roll the, the other dice. That it's set. And, it, and, you know, and it actually, it is very simple. Okay, you have an act where well, you have two act, you know, look, your guy can move and do something, which is probably hitting someone. Um, you know, if you want to roll a skill check, you roll, you add your skill thing. Um, something bad's happening to you, roll and add your saving throw bonus. So the system is, you know, having been where 3.3 and 3.5 were super complicated, 5e isn't. They chucked out all of the chaff that they didn't need. And they've, they, you know, the laser focus is down to what is the basics of it is a very simple system, which is probably why all these other people, Oh, sure. Keep turning it in, you know, making 5e games because the actual basics is, is, is quite, you know, is quite simple. And that is a good thing. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just tag mine on it because I said the same thing. Yeah. It's, an easy co it's an easy system to teach. It is an easy system to run. It is an easy system to learn. Mm -hmm. And beyond that, and actually not beyond that, I think that part of why it's so easy is it's coherent. Yeah. It's one ring to rule them all. I mean, there's a single mechanic and everything everything is is built on that uh there's no it's not a very deep system there aren't lots of different options like two die 20. um it's not it's i'd say it's a very concrete system as opposed to something like fate or powered by the apocalypse uh it and and so it's easy and there are no wretched subsystems like we had in first and second edition that you have to like learn a whole diff there's nothing counterintuitive about yeah they did a bang up job in presenting an easy coherent system check check and i think it's because of that it's easy to run you know you have to go quite yeah. a long way to break it you know i've made up my own classes and subclasses because it 
if you actually look through the classes, as much, you know, as I, I'm not keen on them, but it is a very clear thing. All right, you should have a, a keystone ability at these levels. You should have a small ability at these levels. Um, you know, you can look at kind of like what damage you'd be doing at certain levels. So if you want to, when you want to house rule or you want to just make up your own stuff, it's very easy to work out at what level should that stuff be. And, you know, if you're just running a session and someone does something you're not expecting, coming up with difficulty classes is super easy. You can just kind of go, oh, well, you know, 15. You know that, you know, yeah. someone with a rubbish thing is going to do that 75%. You know, so it's one of these things. I, you know, on the one hand, I find it a bit dull and a bit boring. But on the other hand, it is easy to run. So actually, it does mean if you want to properly go down the story route and really kind of have the system disappear into the background, you can do that maybe more than a lot of other systems because you can't do that in 2D20. I love 2D20, but the system is always there because of the use of momentum uh, and threat. True. And stuff. Um, you know, fate is an unbelievably gamey system. They try to make out as a narrative system, um, but you're always talking about tagging aspects and this and that. So it's, you know, the system's always there. The Genesis with its weird dice, you know, yeah. you roll the dice and you're trying to work out which symbols do I get? So actually, as much as we said the leveling pulled you out of the story, the actual system itself, you can stay in the story very easily because the system is very straightforward. Um, okay. I find it boring, but it's it's simple, it's straightforward. What's an what's another thing that you like? So my last one, I have to say, the books are really, really good. They just they, you know, they look, they look nice. I mean, you know, on my shelf they look nice because they're all the same. They pattern, do, which is cool. Which actually so my so my Star Trek and Infinity ones. So um, but inside, you know, they, the, the art direction is amazing. They are they are generally well laid out. Um, I, I do like the fact that I mean one of the first almost the first thing I will do every time I get a new DD book is read the disclaimer, which is near the front, because because they have these just awesome little disclaimers about you know what will happen if you do or don't read the book, which are, they don't need to be in there. I just love that touch. And all of the books have so many good ideas. And part of the reason I buy these books is even if I'm not planning to use 5e, I know these books have got loads of good stuff in them. You know, I bought Candlekeep Mysteries, whatever it was called, because I knew it would have a different style of role playing in it. Um, I bought Tasha's Cauldron because it had tons of mystery stuff at the back, because even if I'm not going to play 5e, that stuff's universal. And there's right. you know, the books that they have lots of good ideas. Maybe, you know, I wish they had more character stuff, but actually, you know, the, the books are great. They are well-written, well-done books. Um, initially, I was wishing there was more, but actually now they're releasing to be releasing under like five or six years. They're coming out pretty quickly and you don't really need to get them all. You know, you can get, you can get some of them or you can get all of them. You don't, you know, under 3E, you kind of felt you had to get loads of them. And I didn't, I didn't play 3E, but certainly like 4E, I bought everything. because I was like, if I missed a book, there was a bunch of stuff in there I needed. That's not really the case with 5E. You can, you can pick and choose and be perfectly happy. So I think the actual official Wizards of the Coast product line, um, I think they, I think they're doing a good job. There's not too many books, but there's not too few, but they're very good quality. So, you know, that, you know, thumb, thumbs up to them for that. Yeah, I'm with you on that completely. Um, I uh, I have still bought. I mean, a couple months ago, early yeah, about seven eight months ago, I bought the Rhyme of the Frost Maiden uh, book, and I I mean I I'm not all that interested in running it in five e, but I I got it because of just story looking for story ideas. Yeah, they they put they they really put some great production value out there. The books don't fall apart. At least mine haven't. You're right about the art. I mean, yeah, everything you said, I echo uh, verbatim. And uh, and I like also their in terms of their release schedule and they're kind of like their mindset toward their releases that they're not burying us in all the splat books of 3.5 or back in in a second edition days where you just they had like a fire hose that they were spewing <laughs> these short adventure modules and all these and supporting all these different settings i i appreciate and i think it makes sense business-wise for them to put out less but have it be better and yeah. bigger than just a bunch of stuff that's like of marginal or like eh, quality so yeah I'm, I'm with you completely on on that um Go ahead, go ahead. what else, what did, else can we say about fit oh, I, I do totally miss my old second edition boxed campaign sets though with the map yeah. and all the little bits and pieces in because you i have, have to turn like, to other game companies now to get yeah, boxed because i just like you know i had one i had it for like forgotten realms and al yeah. and raven laugh 
they were great. I loved, I got a box and it's got all this stuff in and probably some stuff you didn't need and a map. Or actually, it was at the end of first edition. At the end of first edition, they did a, a city system thing for Waterdeep, which was pretty much just 10 massive maps, which I actually managed to put the entirety of that in my bedroom wall as a kid. So I had the entire, this massive wall just with the whole Waterdeep map stuck up on my wall. Which You was would just close awesome. one eye and pretend you were the beholder in oh, charge of the city. That was, that was so cool. I love that. Oh, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I, there's something magical about a boxed set. You feel yeah. like it's something special, even if it just has books and some other things in it. It's there's something different about it than just a hardback book. Yeah, um, they're a pain on your shelf, and they're not sure. they're not practical or user friendly at all. Although yeah. I and and well, and looking back, also the 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 box material that they used back in the '80s and '90s was crap. And so, yeah, like, who has a boxed set? from back then that is in decent shape they're all scalloped and nasty looking and stuff the ones that are coming out now like that twilight 2000 is a brick uh, it's a well-made box do you know what my best box set is of modern times it's your least favorite role-playing game it's talk my talk box is amazing because it was like this yeah big. it was yeah, it's huge. huge and it's so heavy but you hate that so we won't talk and about remember that. it's it's the setting that does it for me it's the setting that does it for me with that but anyway um, so what else can we say about, uh, about 5e? Um, what else can we say about it? I, it's, it's the, but it's the, you know, for, for every positive I have about it, there's a negative that comes with it. It's a simple system, but it's, it's a simple system, it's a simple system. You know, it's, it's straightforward to teach to other people, but there's more interest in role-playing games. Yeah. You know, there's all these cool books for it. Uh, you know, maybe not actually gonna when you use them, you're gonna get <laughs> just, well, you know, it too. The, 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 the trouble is that the adventures like Tomb of Annihilation is built really well for that system as a story, it's interesting, but but it's it is built with the conceit in mind of a, of a specific progression of leveling. As you, I mean, it's, it's more sandboxy than some of the other events. Like, you know, Rime of the Frostmaiden, it sets out, you know, there are, there are encounters and there are plots that, that, that thread through encounters that are sequenced in a way so that you gain levels so that now, now you can move up to this next thing and then you can move up to the next thing. I mean, so it, it, it's hard for me. I buy them, I read them, I like them. The extent to which I will use them, I don't know because I'd rather not run them with yeah. the uh, the system, I think one of the biggest issues for me, and this is where I'll just, uh, if 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 someone is willing to listen to me for advice about these things, you know, <laughs> my suggestion is, if you are if you're a big D and D player, don't necessarily and you hey you know go for it you know whatever it's fun go for it, but um but don't don't just assume that the system is good for everything there are there are there are types of fantasy that it, it doesn't really work well for years ago i tried to run or i did run uh i came up with my own world and it was a very low magic setting but i called it not low magic like rare magic magic was powerful magic was really powerful but magic was extraordinarily rare and had been held by a very small number of people, but was slowly creeping back into the world. I tried to run that using D&D, and it just didn't work. Because the moment someone takes a spellcasting class, unless you house rule lots of stuff about the class and lots of stuff about the system, it just doesn't work. So if you want to play high magic, high, readily available, easily available magic with a simple system, D&D is terrific. And I, I recognize, obviously, that you can house rule anything. Like, Watsy's not going to come down from Washington State and, like, beat on your door and make you stop doing it that way. Um, but, uh, but if you're thinking about running a different kind of fantasy or moving outside of fantasy entirely, there are plenty of great systems out there that'll do the job, I think, more effectively than, than this rule set. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's where I come from, that... I think the thing that bugs me the most is knowing that, or in my opinion, anyway, there are better systems out there, but because 5e has become, I mean, D&D is so pervasive. Yeah, D&D always been the big one, but 5e became even more pervasive. And so there are people out there that only play 5e and they don't, maybe they don't even know there are other role-playing games out there. And if they do, 
they won't try them. And there's people, oh, I, well, I like 5e, so I'm going to carry on playing 5e. That's cool. If you enjoy 5e, awesome. But maybe try something else because yeah. there are other things that are better out there. And like, you know, the, the, per- the thing I always remember as a kid, which made me suddenly realize that it didn't really work, was um, around 2e time, they released Buck Rogers in the 25th century using essentially a version of the D&D system. And straight away, you realize that dexterity in a sci-fi setting was the god stat because you used it to attack and you used it to defend and you used it for a whole bunch of skills. So if you had a really high dex, you could shoot everyone with your laser gun and you could dodge everybody else's attacks and you could pick locks and do stealth and everything else. So there was no point having any other stat other than dex. And Star Wars is the same. And funnily enough, they released a Star Wars system and it wasn't very good. And now what do we have? We had a Star Wars system with a system that was not entirely, but mostly created that worked really well for Star Wars. Okay, still had issues, but you know, it's the best version we've seen. But people won't have, you know, we're lucky that that license got lost by Wizards because otherwise we could still be having, you know, Wizards of the Coast running, running stuff now. And I'm really thankful that, well, that uh, Wizards didn't somehow get the Marvel license and we were stuck with a, a 5e Marvel superheroes role-playing game. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, back in the day, TSR didn't do that. They had different systems for different things. They, right. they, you know, they knew better, but, you know. That, well, that's you know big... I think I just, I think I started recognizing that when I, I got Star Frontiers. I remember I got the box set for that and I was so psyched because I've always, I, science fiction has always been a little, I like fantasy, but it's always been a little more my thing. And it's a percentile based system and you have skills and the idea of like, wow, my, my character's success or failure here is, is based not only in like their innate qualities, but also these things that they study and work on and there are no levels. And that was, um, that was kind of opening at the time. And, um, yeah, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. There are lots of things. And, and here's the other thing too, that I was thinking when you were saying this is that it's not just you know, when we say there are other systems out there that can do this better, whatever this is, different systems actually promote and support and make easy or difficult different kinds of gameplay and different, therefore, experiences at the table. You know, some games are really good for investigation. Some are not. Yeah. You know, so it just depends on what kind of what what kind of feel do you want at the table, um, and and yeah, if you haven't played other systems like several other systems and taken enough time to become proficient with them, you'll never really understand that you can have a very different gameplay experience, how it feels and what you do and how you do it because of the the system. I know that sounds that sounds silly to say it, but for someone who hasn't played, for someone who hasn't played, say like two die 20 for, um, for Conan, um, or, uh, like trail of Cthulhu, you know, the gumshoe system for investigations. Those are just, they feel radically different. Uh, if you haven't done that, you, you don't know that. So that is what, that's my suggestion. That's my free Christmas present to everybody listening. Go do that. I mean, the first one I played as a kid was Star Wars. And obviously the Star Wars system then was totally different. Oh, yeah. There was no levels. It was skill-based. You just chucked a ton of D6s. You know, that was a completely different system. And then I'm going to university and playing World of Darkness, which again was was a totally different system Mm -hmm. because now I wasn't adding things either. I was just, you know, you roll and you're looking for a tut. There's so many different ways that different games have over, you know, since the creation of D&D have done games differently that's something you know some of it's rubbish and some of it doesn't work and some of it works for some people loads of people love fate and savage worlds um you know they're not necessarily for us but we found our home in 2d20 that's why we do a podcast about it but you know people you only know that if you go and play all these different systems yeah. so yeah you know if, if even if now you play fifth edition and you love fifth edition awesome it's not going anywhere well that's not no. true sixth no, edition sure will come out at some point um but it doesn't appear to be going anywhere it's certainly not getting less popular but go and you know go and try and play something else because you might find some things you can bring back into it. i mean i wish i could easily bring the stuff i love out of 2d20 into fifth edition but i kind of yeah like you've tried it 
And every time I think about it, it ends up being so over the top that then I'm actually I'm losing the thing that is good about fifth edition. Yeah. So. Yeah. Hacking a system within the system, modifying a system within it. I mean, there are, there are limits. Um, yeah, I would recommend, or I do recommend, how's that? I do recommend that if you have not, if you're a big D&D 5e fantasy player, I would give Conan a shake because it's, it's crunchier than 5e, but that crunch provides very specific and clear options that, that 5e cannot. Uh, I would, I recommend that. So, but yeah, yeah. Get out and play some other games. I agree completely. Yeah, totally. Do it. Play something else, and you can always go back to Five E. That's right. Watsi will not stop taking your money. No, they definitely will not. And you can buy. And you know what? If you feel bad after leaving, like catting around on on D and D and playing something else, you can go back and buy. You can buy their digital dice, and you can buy extra like campaign specific GM screens. You can do all that, and you can you can beg forgiveness from Watsi, and I know they'll they'll let you back. <laughs> They will. <laughs> Although, hey, I, I got to say, uh, you know, Modiphius, obviously, they, they, I have one set. I have my Star Trek dice. I have five die 20s, and I have like, um, I think I have 10 die sixes. And I, I, the John Carter dice are really nice looking. Yeah, I don't like the Conan dice because there's too much art around the numbers, and I have to wear my glasses to be able to tell what in the heck I rolled. So those are the only dice I own, but they do sell lots of different colorful dice. Yeah, I wish I was. It's handy when you can get a lot of them in clever sales or in person yeah. or something. Because like I've got the the Fallout and Cthulhu ones, kind of give you know like here's two d twenty and four combat dice. Oh great, where's the other ones I need? Yeah, whereas there yeah, it was much better when I did it for like John Carter. I bought three full sets of dice. I have tons of John Carter dice. So yeah, sorted. Uh, oh, grand. Well, I think that's we we could end on that. Play other games. Yeah. Play other games and be thankful that so many companies, Modiphius, I would put at the top of this list, provide free downloadable PDF quick starts that summarize the rules and give you characters and give you an adventure to uh to take it all for a test drive. Yeah, I do like it when I mean there's a, there, you know, there are there are plenty of companies there where if you order you know, you order the book, you get the PDFs free. I mean, the the company that currently has the license to Warhammer, I, it's annoyingly it's in Ireland now. It means I have to pay quite a lot for shipping, but well, not as much as you would have to pay from here. But, um, but I pre-order all their books. When I pre-order it, I get the same as Modiphius. I get the PDF straight away. I get the book a little bit later. You know, wizards really should really should have PDFs so they're thinking not through another app. But that's a whole other thing. But yeah. yeah. Well, let's do this. Let's go ahead and uh, we'll we'll wrap with this, and um, we'll be back in the near future with something else, uh, hopefully useful, hopefully interesting, and enjoyable to listen to. Thank you so much for listening. You can visit our show's homepage at anchor.fm slash fluff and crunch. That's F-L-U-F-F-N-C-R-U-N-C-H. We would really appreciate feedback and reviews on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to this on. Thanks so much.